I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody. Hi, Sadie. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Audra? Good, thanks. Um, so really excited to continue talking about There There by Tommy Orange. Uh, we kind of went off on some, I don't know, tangents isn't the right word, just went off on some discussion yeah. um, that wasn't necessarily plot related or character related. So I'm looking forward to being able to talk some more about more of the characters and more of kind of the plot than we did last time. So. Yes. Um, but before we get into that, would you please give a little PSA on our next book? Uh, so we'll be discussing this next Monday, or excuse yes. me, next Friday. <laughs> um, so yes, just in case you forgot, the next book that we are doing is Alias Grace by Margaret Atwood. Um, I definitely recommend reading the book. If you, It also tickles your fancy. There's also a Netflix series based on it that I think is really good, so... Yeah. Oh, you've watched that too? We have watched both. I have watched Oh, cool. It. Yeah, so I have not read that and I have not watched it. So I'm going to be doing, trying to do both quickly. Oh, great. So, yeah. Very good. It's a very faithful adaptation. So if anybody, for whatever silly reason, doesn't read the book but watches the show, it is a very faithful adaptation. Okay. All right. That's good. I mean, we don't encourage that. Mm-hmm. We encourage you to read the book, but it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> It's it's an option for you if that's what you want. Sure. Um, awesome. Well, I'm excited to talk about that as well. I just got it uh, the other day and started it, so just barely into it, but so far enjoying. Good. Um, so what, what libation do you have this evening for our discussion? Um, I'm probably going to say it incorrectly, but I have a beer. It's from Ron Trapp Brewing. It's their Nature Hells Unfiltered Lager, and it is it is very good. I like it a lot. It's very crisp, and, and it's kind of peppery, not sweet. It's nice. I like it. Cool. Well, for some reason, I was craving something really sweet, and so I actually stopped and got a like iced white mocha, <laughs> and then I came home and put some vodka in it, and... That's what I'm drinking. That and sounds it's amazing. Good. <laughs> yeah, because I really wanted one, but couldn't justify that plus a cocktail. Yeah. So I decided to combine them. So that's that's what I have. That's very inventive. Way to like use your resources. <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> I don't know about that, but it's fine. It's delicious and it works. So good. we didn't have to, we didn't say fancy libations, just libation <laughs> yeah. in general. <laughs> All right, so. There, There by Tommy Orange. Um, I think one of the things that was unique also about the book is just that each chapter is told from a different point of view, from a different mm-hmm. character. And I mean, who these characters are is so central to the novel. And it's also a part of the structure of the novel, which I think is really cool. Um, I think I mentioned last time, it just kind of made me think of like a Canterbury Tales yeah. in a way, you know, like all these people that are connected, but from different walks of life and each of the stories that they have to tell and telling stories is a big part of the novel as well. The, one of the characters is a documentary filmmaker and he's filming people telling their stories, whatever it is. So Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely a a big part of the book who, if you had to pick a favorite, who Hmm. was your favorite character or at least the one you most enjoyed 
their chapters. Like there was mm-hmm. some characters I looked forward to their chapter. You know, I really liked Edwin and I liked reading Opal's chapters. And I also I thought um Thomas Frank's chapters were interesting even though he's not a major majorly central character, but I thought his were always um, interestingly written. Yeah, especially talking about drumming and what that meant to him. Like, Mm -hmm. those were, it was, they were very lyrical, I thought. Yeah, Um, I agree. Chapters. Yeah, I really liked that. Yeah, I really liked Opal a lot. Opal, Viola, Victoria, Bearshield. I liked her story being on Alcatraz and Mm -hmm. her kind of point of view I mean went through some pretty traumatic things with just being on Alcatraz during the occupation and then you know just different abuses and just lots going on and so her I think her point of view was really interesting um and I really liked uh Calvin the I think Mm -hmm. he's kind of like teenager pre like early teenager um oh no he's the one that owed money I'm thinking of Orville sorry right yeah, so I got mixed up with Calvin, but Orville Redfeather, so he's um, staying with Opal and one of Jackie's grandsons, and I think that his interest in about his heritage and kind of just from the point of view of a young man is really interesting. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to com- to compare that to like Opal's own perspective on her heritage, and um, I love like the the theme between those two stories of the the spider legs. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Let's talk about that. So I think we first hear about it from Orville, and Orville talks about how he, or no, it's from Opal. She's telling Jackie that Orville came to her and said he pulled spider legs out of his leg. Yeah. And when I first was reading that, I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? And then you get from Orville's point of view that he's had this, like, what looks like a spider bite, and he's pulled these little legs out from it at various points. And then you find out that it was, like, this whole, like, almost family history of this happening and then yeah. you hear like these stories of what the spot like I just thought it was so interesting it was really interesting and you know I think it's one of the the only like I think explicit like symbols in the book because the I feel like the story is very realistic for the most part it's there's not anything kind of extraordinary can that happen I should have gone down a rabbit hole to see if that can happen can that happen I don't think so I think that's like a one really dumb question I think it's like the one magical-ish element of the story it seemed like that to me it just seemed so absurd that that had to not be real like it couldn't have been something that actually could happen to someone I'm going to I'm going to research this. I'm sure it's not, but now I'm like I'd like to feel not as stupid as I feel right now thinking that maybe that's possible. I but I just thought, I just like how it was yeah, I just thought it was really interesting and I love kind of creation stories mm-hmm. and things that tell the you know like what myths we have to explain things and I think what each culture does with it is really interesting because it tells you so much about the culture and so I love like hearing those stories and I thought it was worked in in a way that was really like seamless yeah well it it was interesting to me because it was one of those things where it happens to Orville right when he is kind of exploring his interest in his culture 
And it's like he describes it at the beginning, I think, as like an itch that he couldn't stop scratching. And then the more he scratched at it, like the legs would come out of his of his own body. And then there's another chapter, I think, in part three where Opal talks about how she I think she maybe it's in Jackie's chapter. I can't remember, but it's communicating between the two. And Opal says that she remembers as a kid that happening to her and she'd completely forgotten right. about it. And I yeah. thought, I don't know, I for me, it just kind of seemed like a really interesting symbol of like him coming into this thing that's been part of him all along. Right. right? Almost like festering or something. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's finally like coming Maybe out. not festering. That I feel like that has a negative connotation, but yeah. like germinating yeah yeah and he's finally able to kind of like pull it out as the more he kind of like explores his identity cultural identity and then with opal you know i think like her uh native american culture is something that she's kind of like suppressed for a really long time and then you know she remembers that she had the same itch at a certain point in her life and i just thought that was a really unique and like very specific image and it stood out to me from almost all the other imagery in the book because it was so different yeah yeah I really liked that element a lot I think that's a really good analysis of it um I really liked uh so he has kind of we talked a lot already about kind of the essay at the beginning um but then I liked uh we didn't really talk about the interlude too much Mm, so mm -hmm. so he has an interlude before part I think it's maybe or maybe it's just in between actually I think it starts like 135 page 135 yeah yes and I really like that I really he starts talking about what powwows are and Mm -hmm. why they go to a powwow and then he talks about kind of the idea of of you know the amount of native blood you have and what that is and I really liked he talks about last names um Mm -hmm. because I think Mm -hmm. it's interesting because these characters also kind of talk about their names and um and he said in the interlude, he says, we didn't have last names before they came. When they decided they needed to keep track of us, last names were given to us, just like the name Indian itself was given to us. These were attempted translations and botched Indian names, random surnames, and names passed down from white American generals, admirals, and colonels, and sometimes troop names, which were sometimes just colors. And then he says, that's how we are, and he goes on and on with this very long list of different names that you find and I just thought that was a really interesting point like even the name that they go by they have is created by someone else if that makes Mm -hmm. sense I mean all names are but I think that it adds to the like that they didn't get to give it to themselves in a way yeah well kind of unrelated but sort of related in that idea of like some of their traditions like a last name or something um not being a part of the original tradition and like almost being forced upon them by the nature of like their genocide and um oppression and it's like with fry bread you know like we think of fry bread as like traditional native american food and it kind of is now but that's not something that they made until they were on the reservations and they were you know only given like very small amounts of food from the government and that's something that came out of that and it's just kind of it's the same thing with the last names it's like something that they use to identify themselves but it's not something that has an actual origin like with 
their culture and their people like back before they were oppressed and like the importance that it's placed on the names Mm -hmm. like i think that gets brought up a lot and throughout the novel is the importance of names but also like aesthetics and dress like there's a lot of talk about um like when orville is trying on the regalia and like does he look native enough now like Mm -hmm. you know and, and then um oh what's the character that at the end gets in his full regalia and like is taking the subway and he notes that yes tony and he notes that this you know woman was talking to him and almost like this oh wow a real indian kind Mm -hmm. of a thing and and he was like i know she'll have that and so just interesting like the importance on names and like what's presented outwardly to feel a certain like connection with your history and your culture like if people perceive me this way i just Mm -hmm. think it's the interesting points that he brings up with names and dress and kind of outward things yeah and it's it's also kind of like especially with dress and tony in particular i guess we can kind of talk about tony but um for him it, it's like the first time that not the first time maybe but it's one of the only times that he feels like he's noticed or special outside of the drone you know mm-hmm. he talks about how like the majority of people that's how they identify him or that's why they look at him funny or notice him on the subway but you know that last subway scene it's it's the one time that he's noticed for something else that makes him feel different and special and connected to his culture and you know it doesn't like end well for Tony obviously but that I think is a really important moment of being more than just um I know it's just an interesting question of like personal identity versus cultural identity and how how he connects at that moment to a cultural identity that takes precedence over any personal identity with, you know, his disability that he has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. That's a really good point. Um, I also think one of the themes that I think we talked about it just a little bit last time, but that idea of um, home and mm-hmm. what that means and like, what you say home is versus how what you actually feel it is and I think that there is um a lot of reference to that I think one of the characters that discusses it the most was uh Jackie Redfeather you know and talking Mm -hmm. about how like she's so she's been she checks into a hotel after she um was on an airplane going to a conference for like addiction specialists she's an addict and now she's kind of becoming a therapist or help for other addicts Um, but she talks a lot about, I mean, you're in a hotel. I think that's a great time to really think about what home means to you when you're staying in some place where it's like you're away from home. It really makes you think about it. And says that she remembers how her mother spoke about getting home to Oklahoma, but that wasn't what home was for Jackie. Um, like she talks about how her and her sister, they were always in like cars or taking a bus somewhere or, you know, staying at different people's places. They've been in shelters. Like, so that's her idea of home it's not like a certain state like her mother feels like it is so I think that was interesting too just like what you what it contributes to you thinking what your home is or how you think of it you know mm-hmm. well and it I think it's in it, that's an interesting question for anybody but I think it's especially interesting for these characters when kind of like the the idea of what their culture is tells them what their home should be but that's not something that they may feel connected to or comfortable with you know like the idea of like 
home being the reservation, for example, or like the land being the res being home for. Right. Um, Having such a large Indian. relocation in yeah. your history, how that affects your idea of home. Like if that's part of your known history is that you were relocated, like forced to live a certain place. How does mm -hmm. that like affect how you think about that place? Like, And then when you leave that place that you're being relocated to that, that mm -hmm. as well, like the displacement in a way from the idea that people think your experiences, you know, it's, it's yeah. very interesting. Sherman Alexi's novels talk about this a lot. I think too, of this idea of like, Native Americans that are living on the reservation still versus Native Americans that live off the reservation mm -hmm. and kind of the reasonings behind that and the feelings that come up from that and how, like, I think he, he talks about that a lot because um, he talks a lot about, I think, both kind of ideas of urban Indians versus, like, like that's what he says, like, there's these urban Indians and then ones that are just living on the reservation and the differences there. So I think that it's an interesting point to bring up and I don't think Tommy Orange makes it too big of a point, but I think he really, this emphasis on place and mm -hmm. Oakland and the city is kind of also still calling that to attention. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I had a question from last time, which this might be too big of a turnaround because I don't know where you're going to go with it, but you said you had a specific thought or theory for why there are 12 characters. Oh, man. Now I don't remember what I was thinking. It had to do with... I'm going to find it because I had seen this article about it, um, about the importance of the number 12. Mm. And then I was trying to remember, and I felt stupid that I couldn't, how many um, characters there are in Canterbury Tales. Oh, I would never be able to remember that. Well, I loved Canterbury Tales, and I was irritated that I couldn't remember it, so I'm going to look it up really quick, because I really want to know, because that's part of what I was thinking, was, mm. like, I just really saw, I really thought of a connection between there, there, and the Canterbury Tales, and just, mm -hmm. like, how it was told, and so I wondered if that was some sort of, um, what's the word, inspiration. I definitely think that that could be the case, like, as a source of, um... I don't know. I feel like authors are always kind of like building off or inspired by certain methods. <sighs> There's of 32. 32? <laughs> I'm an idiot. That's There's okay. 32. You're not an idiot. That's okay. Be easier on yourself. Okay. I'll try. <laughs> Call myself an English major and I don't even know how many there are. Uh, um, well, that was my whole theory that went out the window. Mm. But, you know, there's also, what, 12 members on a jury? Yeah. Yeah. You would know. You would, would correct know. me quickly if not. I mean, because I think of like the movie 12 Angry Men. That's a great movie. Have you ever seen that movie? I have. Yes. Really like that movie. It's awesome to watch just about like in that jury deliberation room. But just that idea too. There's, I don't know, maybe there's a connection there. I just think that numbers are important. So it would be, I have no idea why that if there even would be something that would be important about it. But I think it's interesting to think about of like, hmm. does it have a... Well, I mean, point. I think you could get like really meta with it and, you know, you could argue that Tommy Orange is the 13th for like the 13 colonies, you know, I think like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I, I mean, like in a All way, right. I, for me, I think anyway, like I think that Tommy Orange is like a bike compiling or telling these stories. I think he's doing something very meta in the sense of like what Dean is doing in a way. I think he... Mm. Um, documenting yeah he's like documenting and you know this is a fictional book but 
you know, he was part of this community in Oakland and I would venture to guess that the majority of the stories that he's talking about here are like, or these characters and their histories or their thoughts and ideas and own contemplations are ones that he's like extremely familiar with and has come across. I don't think he, you know, is just making this up out of thin air. And for me, I feel like Tommy Orange is kind of like the, that 13th character. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, for sure. I think we talked about that a little bit last time too, of just, I think that you really get to hear his voice, like with the prologue and the interlude. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of sets you up to think of him as a character as well. Like yeah. there's this character outside of the point of view from the characters in the book. Yeah. Since they're, you know, since it's never third person narrated, this is almost a way to have that because the narrator is always a character. Yeah. And here's like another way to have that be there. If that makes any sense. Yeah. No, it does. It does. It makes a lot of sense. And I, that's how I felt about it as well. Like I definitely felt like he was a character. And I think it comes to like I had for me with the, the moment at the end where Dean is like recording himself just staring into the camera and he's he's silent all he's doing is kind of like portraying just through his stare all the stories that he's collected in a way mm -hmm. and I think that that's what Tommy Orange is doing like even if you were to take out the interlude and the prologue and say that like that's not him inserting himself into the story he's just presenting us with the stories without telling us how to feel about it or telling the characters or how to feel about it or really, you know, focusing on plot or anything like that. He's just kind of presenting it. And I feel yes. like that's kind of what Dean was doing with the documentary as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you can almost see a correlation between Dean as a documentary filmmaker because he gets connected to these different characters in different ways but he's very far removed from it mm -hmm. so and I think that that's a there's definitely a correlation between his voice Dean's voice and the one that's in the prologue and the interlude this kind of like narrator that is Tommy Orange I, I think yeah yeah I agree yeah I think it's definitely really complex and um, I really, really liked this. I, I know this was his first novel. I would really be interested in reading more from sure. him. So I hope that, I hope that there's more. Um, I thought it was really unique and, um, pretty original, like even not necessarily the topics, but like in how it's presented and his like prose with such a heavy topic I thought was pretty original. So I really, yeah. really enjoyed it. I really liked this author. I agree. And I really liked it, too, because I feel like, um, I mean, there is a lot of Native American literature out there, obviously, but there's not as much, I think, like, as far as pop literature, you know, like there are way, sure, of course, yeah. way more like popular white authors in pop media than there are Native American. And I think that, you know, Tommy Orange, I think in the way that he pre presents these stories and he presents 12 different stories. 12 different people I think it's a very interesting way of like avoiding the task of being like the voice for sure. that community yeah. because I think that that is like a pressure that gets put on um people of color especially like they, they just speak for everybody and I think right like the number of characters the vast amount of characters like the 
vastly different experiences and thoughts and the complexities that come with them. I think it's a it's an interesting way of kind of spreading the voice, you know, so it's not mm-hmm. just his own. I thought that was a really brilliant way of like avoiding that pressure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good observation. I agree. Well, is there anything else that you're I'm still working on cast by Isabel Wilkinson and mm-hmm. then I've started Alias Grace. So I don't have anything else going on right now. I am watching a show on Netflix called The Serpent, which have you Ooh. heard of that? No. It's kind of pulpy, but it's like it's based on a real serial killer that was um he was like in Bangkok and would kind of prey on and it was like in the 70s and he would kind of prey on tourists specifically like young people that were going to like backpack around and um he kind of preyed on them and ends up not quite marrying legally but getting together with this woman that's French and they kind of end up doing it together and then uh someone from the Dutch embassy he wasn't like an ambassador but he was someone that worked there Mm -hmm. got involved because there were two missing Dutch backpackers and he got a letter about it and so he started investigating and kind of figured out what was going on and there was another French couple that was like their neighbors and they kind of went undercover to help like catch this guy but he was this really prolific serial killer so anyway so it's like this Netflix series about it and it's pretty it's pulpy but I think it's pretty interesting so I recommend it yeah nice um I'm still still working on the vampire Lestat Um, oh yes right Mm -hmm. but how's that going I I mean I love it I think it's so fun it's just fun it's just I hey I fully support it I think I mean if you're gonna read about vampires I don't know if there's like a better writer who does it like Anne Rice you can make fun of her all you want I know I sure do um <laughs> she's so fun and easy to make fun of like this woman tried to sue her fans for writing fan fiction like it's bonkers but um I think she's a really great writer and I enjoy reading her writing so I'm enjoying it and then good shows I've been watching oh geez I just started um my so-called life did you ever watch that show Yeah, I watched it when it was out because I'm significantly older than you, see? Oh, my God. I feel so old right now. Wow. (laughs) That just hit me hard. (laughs) Wow. Okay. I don't even know when it came out. When did it come out? All right. Well, let's find out because... I know it's it's 90s, and it has all the 90s juiciness, if you like that. But I just... I love love Claire Danes, and she just does such a good job. No, it's a great show. It came 1994, so I was nine. Okay. So I was a little young for it, but whatever. That's I think I was a little young. I did. Yeah. I didn't quite understand everything that was in it, but I do now. But yeah, I really liked it. I it really liked. It's Claire definitely Danes. I really liked Rayanne. Such yeah. a good show. Yeah, it's so ahead of its time. It's so good, and the, like the things. Yeah, that they're it thinks about. it was only one season. Probably because it was so ahead of its time. Parents didn't know what to do with it or something. But um, it's very good. I'm enjoying it a lot. I only just started, but it's. It's good. I like deep diving into older there, shows. Like I've, that. There's a couple. Sh- there's a couple sh- shows like that that I just think it's really sucks that they didn't last longer. Did you ever watch the show Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment Twenty Three? No, I've never even heard. Okay, of that. find it on Netflix. It's really good. So Kristen Ritter is like the star of it. Okay, and James Vanderbeek's in it playing a version of James Vanderbeek, <laughs> and it's really funny. And it's kind of hard to explain, but it's basically like these two girls become roommates. And they are very different people. I don't know. I'm not giving a description. It's really funny. You should check it out. Okay. It's 
really entertaining. And I think there was only like two seasons and it should have kept going. It was so good. Nice. Yeah, I'll give that a shot. Um, my so-called life reminds me of like a very a much more serious version of like Freaks and Geeks, which is another show that ended way too early. Um, did you ever I've heard really good things about it? I haven't. I've got it like something I want to watch, but I haven't. Yeah, I haven't done it. There's yet. there's like the mental hurdle of taking James Franco and Seth Rogen seriously as teenagers. Um, While well, James Franco is just kind of an icky seeming person. He's yes. Yes, he's creepy. Maybe that's, I shouldn't say that, but just based on things I've read, he seems kind of icky, but. Yes. I really like, I really like a lot of the other characters in it, or the actors and actresses in it. Yeah, and he's not like, I don't think he's like a huge part in it. I don't think he's in every episode, but that was kind of like a mental hurdle for me of seeing them so young. Um, It was just weird trying to separate them from some of their other roles, but Seth Rogen's a delight in it, and it's a good one. And I love that actress, um. Oh, what's her name? I think it's an Italian name. She's a Katerina something or other. She's Velma in Scooby Doo, and she's the I don't know killer in Legally Blonde. Selma Blair? No, it's not. Selma Blair is the. Oh wait, she's not. Oh, okay. Sorry, Um, I don't know. Oh, what is her name? (laughs) Oh, Linda Cardellini. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know who that is. Yeah, she's great. She's uh, she's in uh, a relatively new show. I can't remember from the life of me, but I love her, and she's a very good like actress in this show. So that's I've been doing a '90s deep dive. Basically, that's what I've been doing. Cool, very cool. Yeah, we'll bust out your Doc Martens this week. <laughs> yeah, I'll start wearing more plaid. Although I don't know if that's possible. I love plaid. I wear it all the time. Yeah, you already wear quite a bit of plaid, so. <laughs> Fits, fits perfectly. Maybe more flannel is what I need. Yes. Yes. There you go. There you go. Well, we hope that you guys really enjoyed There There. I loved this book. I think I it's one too. of my favorites. I've read in a long time. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, in fact, it inspired me to for an upcoming novel to read um, by Sherman Alexie. So we're going to kind of go back to some Native American literature after Alias Grace. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited to read Alias Grace and try and watch the series. So Again, if you guys have not already, please pick that up from your local bookstore um, so you can read it and be a part of the discussion. Um, And if you have any recommendations for any books um, or any comments or anything, don't hesitate to DM us. Leave Mm -hmm. us a review if you have a chance, please, or at least the little stars. That'd be awesome. Anything I'm forgetting, Sadie? Uh, Not really. Just our handle is lit and libation on Instagram, and then that's the same for our email as well. So... Feel free to reach out. We would love to hear from you. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Talk to you next time. Bye.